listening to Not So Risky Business Podcast, where we make legal easy for you by unlocking access to essential legal information, training, and strategy for online businesses, coaches, and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Miriam Tadurian. Welcome. Today's topic is an important one for business owners. It is especially important for online business owners because we're going to talk about how to pick a strong name for your business, brand, products, or services. As online business owners, you probably have all kinds of offerings out there for your ideal customers. You might have online courses, you might have coaching programs, memberships, digital downloadables, ebooks, you might have actual physical products that you're giving away, printables, you might have some music compositions and whatnot. It's important to pick a strong name from the very beginning in order for your offer to be protectable under trademark laws. Now, you don't have to go out there and actually register your trademark if you don't want to or if you're not ready for it, even though I highly recommend you do that because it is the only way you will actually own the brand that you're building. However, even if you were not to register your trademark, having a strong name is essential in order to protect that name, in order to build a brand around that name. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. How to pick that good name for your offerings, for your services, for your products, no matter what it is. Before we begin, I do need to do my legal disclaimer. I am a licensed attorney. However, I am not your attorney. Nothing I say during this podcast episodes is meant to be legal advice or for you to construe them as legal advice. Moreover, nothing I say during this episode should be taken as substitutions for seeking your attorney and getting legal advice. If you need specific information about your particular business or you need to talk to an attorney, get an advice from them, then please consult your attorney or an attorney in your area. If you don't know anybody, get in touch with me. I'll be happy to put you in touch with somebody. Let's get started with this amazing episode because you, my friend, are going to walk away with some actionable steps if you're at the stage where you need to pick a name for something that you're offering to your ideal customers out there. Even if you're not, if you have a product and after today's episode, you realize that the name you've picked for that is not a good one, is not a strong one, maybe it's time for you to rebrand. This episode will give you the push and the kick that you require in order to do that. So let's begin. When we want to determine the strength of a trademark, we usually measure it by its distinctiveness. When we talk about trademark distinctiveness, we refer to how unique that brand or product name is. Now, I'm going to say trademark for the duration of this show, but please understand when I say trademark, I'm talking about both service marks and actual trademarks, meaning for services, that name is called service mark and for product-based businesses, it's called a trademark, but I do use the word trademark for both at the same time. This is valid whether you have a service-based business or a product-based business or a hybrid. 
When we talk about the distinctiveness of a trademark, we refer to how unique that name is. That uniqueness of a trademark plays a huge role in your brand strength. When we refer to distinctiveness, we generally mean whether the word that you have picked to protect for your brand or product or services, is that word a commonly used word in that business? Is it a word that merely describes what that business does or a function of that business? Is it a word that is completely made up? So trademarks can be inherently distinctive or... If they're not inherently distinctive, sometimes through use over a period of time, they can acquire distinctiveness. So whatever name you pick for your products, services, brand name out there, make sure that it is a distinctive name from the very beginning, less headaches and complications for you down the line. So this might seem a little bit confusing initially, but I promise I'm going to talk about this in very simple terms and try to give you examples along the way so that you can actually understand what each one of this is and actually see it as it's being used in everyday commonly known brands or businesses so that you do not get confused and you actually understand what this is about. Now, the distinctiveness, as I said, we measure it on a spectrum. So think of it horizontal line from one end to the other. On the far left side of that spectrum, of that line, we have what we call generic marks. On the far right side, we have what we call fanciful marks. Now, the level of strength for the names, for the brand names, get stronger as you move closer to the fanciful marks. Generic marks, which are on the far left side of the spectrum, are the weakest marks. In fact, generic marks do not get any trademark protection. They are not registrable. They are not protectable. Or if they were at some point registered, they have lost that registration status. They are no longer distinctive. For example, something like aspirin used to be a registered trademark, but people used it so much as a substitution for a painkiller that the brand aspirin started to lose its distinctiveness. It became too popular and the word acquired commonality, so to say. People started using aspirin as a substitute for painkiller. Therefore, the brand name, registered brand name aspirin, lost its protection because it was no longer distinctive. It became a generic name. So generic names, not protectable under trademark law, not registrable. Generic names are those when you pick a name that basically is a commonly used word or phrase that is used in that particular business type. Let's say you're a business owner who wants to open up a coffee shop and you name your coffee shop and you want to register that name to protect it. You cannot do that. The word or the phrase coffee shop is a commonly used phrase that people in that business use to describe their businesses. So you cannot register the word or the phrase coffee shop because that would prevent all the other coffee shop owners out there from using that phrase. And that's not something that's ever going to happen. So 
Do not pick generic names for your brand, for your product, for your services, or it is that you're doing out there. The next level of distinctiveness is this marks called merely descriptive marks. Now, these are just a slightly stronger marks than the generic ones on their own. Merely descriptive marks are not protected either under trademark law. So again, I would highly recommend to stay away from merely descriptive marks as well, because on its own, from the beginning, they are not protectable. Now, the difference between merely descriptive and generic marks is that merely descriptive marks can acquire distinctiveness through use over a period of time. In other words, if they acquire distinctiveness, if they acquire what is called a secondary meaning with consumers over time, then it's possible to protect and register that name. Examples of those are General Motors and General Electric. These are descriptive marks. However, this brand over time through use, through heavy marketing and advertising with their consumer base acquired that secondary meaning so much so that General Motors and General Electric became distinctive brand names. Therefore, they can be protected. However, uh, if you are at the stage where you're just about to determine a name for your offering, for your brand, for your business signature product, then I would highly recommend to stay away from generic and merely descriptive names. The merely descriptive names describe what your business does or they describe a function of a business. For example, they are actually very similar to generic names in the way they come up for a consumer. Let's say you're a contractor that specifically, let's say your niche is to build houses or single family houses. Let's say that's your specialty. I don't even know if there's such a specialty. This is just an example, but let's say that's your specialty, right? A contractor who builds single family houses. If you were to create a business and you say a single family house building, that would just be describing what you do. In other words, it describes a function of that business. It describes the nature of that business. Therefore, it is not going to be protected unless over time, in five years or so, it acquires that secondary meaning, that distinctiveness. And when we say acquires distinctiveness, it's not an easy thing to have a merely descriptive name acquire distinctiveness. It usually means a lot of money that you need to spend because one of the most popular ways and most common ways that a mark can acquire distinctiveness and be owned with its consumer base as an actual brand, have that secondary meaning, is if you spend a lot of money on marketing and advertisement. So if they keep seeing your brand out there over and over again, in all kinds of marketing and advertising campaigns, there is a good possibility that over time that name will acquire that secondary meaning as an actual specific distinctive brand. But as I said, it comes down to money. You have money, you have the time, you will spend a lot of it, you will spend a lot of time on it in order to make it acquire distinctiveness. So if you have a choice and a chance from the very beginning, pick a name that is not generic or descriptive.
Now, the next step or the next level of a mark on this spectrum are what we call suggestive marks. Now, suggestive marks are going to be the sweet spot for many small businesses out there, including online businesses. Suggestive marks are similar to descriptive marks, but they are one step stronger because they don't outright describe what that business does or what the function of that business is. Instead, they suggest it, as the name suggests. They tend to be a little bit on the creative side. Therefore, they do get that stronger mark, stronger distinctiveness, and they get actual trademark protection. Suggestive marks are registrable. And as I said, most small businesses will fall under this category. An example of a suggestive mark is something like Netflix, for example. When we say the name Netflix, it is not describing, right, what the business does or the function of the business, because if it did, then we would have something like streaming movies online or streaming videos online. That would be descriptive or even generic. Instead, it's Netflix. We still know what it's about because it's very suggestive. It's a compound word. When we take it apart, we can have an idea of what it does, but it doesn't come out and outright say it. So with suggestive marks, you do get trademark protection. It is one step stronger than descriptive marks, and it's actually protectable under trademark law as well. So this is a good place to start as a business owner. If you're picking a name, I would suggest to start with suggestive marks. Now, going back to the descriptive marks, one thing I do have to mention, this is where trademark law and marketing ideas and concepts butt heads. Because a lot of business owners, they want to pick names so that it is evident to their consumers from the name immediately what it is that their business does, what services they provide. Because it just makes sense. You want them to know what you do. You don't want to pick a name that's going to be so out there for marketing purposes that your consumer might have no idea what your business does. This is one of the reasons why many business owners settle on descriptive marks because it is more important for them, for their ideal customers to have an idea what they do right from the name rather than pick a strong trademark. Now, this is great from the marketing perspective, but here's the thing. If you're building a brand for yourself, if you intend to actually grow and scale this business. If this is something that you're doing and intend to do for long periods of time, maybe you don't have to, but maybe you're even considering selling it down the line or this is part of your generational wealth building that you want to pass on, then it is more important to have a stronger mark that will be protected under trademark law than to have a name that will help you with marketing and make it clear to your audience what it is that you do. Because if your marketing is on point, if you found your ideal customers, if you're talking about your services and products and you have this uh, presence out there, your name doesn't have to be anything. Your name can be 
jungle for all intensive purposes and they'll still know what it is that you do a good example of that is amazon for example or apple and we'll come back to these brands these names are not suggestive these are very strong trademarks but the names don't even suggest what these companies do apple have nothing has nothing to do with electronics amazon has nothing to do with e-commerce but because they have built this presence out there because they're talking about their products their services they don't have to worry about picking a name that their consumers will have an idea from the get-go so let's move on that was just a little like tidbit for you to consider if you're considering picking a descriptive name for that particular reason now let's move forward from the suggestive marks right the next step on the spectrum distinctiveness spectrum are arbitrary marks arbitrary marks are considered very strong trademarks they are one level down from the strongest trademarks which just fans arbitrary marks are words or phrases that already exist out there these are not made up words these are words that exist but these are words that do not describe the goods or services of that particular business in any way an example of this we just talked about it would be apple apple would not be protectable if you were to create a business to sell apples like the fruit apple however the company apple does not sell fruits the company apple sells electronics they sell phones ipads macbooks computers laptops and all of that so apple the fruit apple the word apple has absolutely nothing to do with electronics what that business actually sells but the company took that word applied it to their business and marketed it so much publicized it so much that the consumers out there associate that name with electronics they associate the word apple with high quality electronics with luxury with sometimes expensive electronics but Apple was able to build a brand around a name that has nothing to do with what it is that they're offering for sale, but because of their marketing, because of their advertising campaigns out there, they did create that awareness, that brand awareness that is necessary to build a presence among your consumers and they are a protectable brand. Now, I do have to say though, it is not easy to pick an arbitrary name and create a brand presence if you're a business that is very low on cash or income. Reason being is because it is going to take a lot of advertising, a lot of publicity, marketing, and all of that requires money, right? If you were to do ads and commercials and whatnot to create this nationwide awareness or wherever your business is, awareness with your consumers out there, you would require considerable amount of money and time and resources to do that marketing, advertising, publicity so much so that your ideal customer associates that word with your business products and services. So just something to keep in mind. Now, the next level of trademark marks, this one is the strongest mark that you can have and incidentally, the most difficult one that you can have to create 
a business presence around to create brand awareness around are fanciful marks. Now, fanciful marks are obviously protectable under trademark laws. They are really strong, but these are hard to do as a small business owner because fanciful marks are even more difficult to create that business awareness, brand awareness around. Reason being is because fanciful marks are completely made up words. These are words that did not exist. These are words that are specifically created to apply to that particular business products or services. For example, something like Kodak, something like Xerox, Adidas. These are all fanciful marks. They mean absolutely nothing. Meaning, outside of these companies, these words do not hold any meaning. With Apple or Amazon, those words have meanings, even though they in no way describe the function of the business. But on Apple, we know it's a fruit. Amazon, for example, we know it's the jungle Amazon or the river Amazon. So these words have meanings outside of the businesses, even though they are not describing the business or functionality of it. But fanciful marks have no meaning outside of the businesses. So as you can imagine, you do have to do even more marketing, more publicity, more advertising, have more commercials out there to number one, introduce this completely made up word to your ideal customers. This word did not exist until you coined it or came up with it. So you do need to do a lot of publicity to number one, introduce them to this word. And number two, for your consumers to actually associate that word with your business products and or services. So now we have covered the spectrum of distinctiveness. We went from the weakest to the strongest. So on the weaker side, we have generic marks, merely descriptive marks, suggestive marks, which is, as I said, the sweet spot for a lot of business owners. This is where I would recommend you start from. And then we have arbitrary marks and then fanciful marks. So any one of the names from suggestive to fanciful would be a good idea for you to have as a business owner for your signature programs, for a brand, for your e-commerce store, for your products, your services, whatever it is that you have. In order to make sure that you actually have a strong brand name or a trademark, you need to constantly monitor it you need before we get to the monitoring let's get to the first step that you need to do that is absolutely necessary before anything else and that is a trademark search a trademark search even though it says trademark search as i said you don't have to register your trademark immediately if you don't want to but a trademark search is essential when you're picking a name that you intend to create a brand around, whether you're choosing a name for a signature product, whether you're choosing a name for a new business that you're starting, a service that you're offering, you need to do a trademark search to make sure that number one, the name that you want to pick is not infringing an already existing business or product name out there. That's number one. You don't want to be somebody who is infringing somebody else's intellectual property right. 
Number two, you want to make sure that the name you're picking is not going to have that genericness, distinctiveness aspect or merely descriptive. I'm sorry, not distinctiveness is not going to be generic. It's not going to be merely descriptive. It's actually going to be suggestive or stronger. And a trademark search will help you determine that because your attorney is the one who's going to analyze the results and they'll tell you whether the name that you want to go with, where it falls on the distinctiveness spectrum. So do not skip this step. Do not be the person who goes and does a Google search or social media search and determines that, hey, I have searched the web or I have searched the social media accounts or platforms and this name does not exist. As we touched upon this briefly in episode four, when we were talking about intellectual property rights, a trademark search includes much more in it than just going on Google or even going on USPTO's database and typing the actual name as it is. Search, trademark search is equal parts art and science. Yes, I say science because a lot goes into trademark search and it's an art as well because you need to be creative in what you search. I'll be very honest with you. Doing a trademark search can get complicated even for us attorneys. Reason being is because USPTO's database is possibly the absolute worst database that you can go into and try to look for something. It is complex, it is complicated, and unless you're proficient at searching, when I say proficient, I you know the actual formulas to input in a search bar to search to get maximum input the results, you are not going to get the results that you want to get. You will most likely put your name that you want to use it will give you an error, which means there's nothing like that out there. And you're going to think you're clear to use that name. Now, that's not the case, obviously. This is why I highly recommend getting a trademark attorney to do your search. Because us trademark attorneys, number one, we have softwares and services out there that we use to do this search. Because not every single attorney is proficient at doing the formulas that they need to do on the USPTO database. So what we do as attorneys, we do manual searches on the USPTO database. Then we have third-party platforms and softwares that help us do even more in-depth searches. Then we use that and then we use the results from both searches and then sit down and analyze the results one by one to determine what is the absolute best name or what potential complications might arise from the name that you have picked. So make sure to not skip that step. Do it because it is absolutely essential for you to choose a name that will be protectable and that you can build your brand around. Now, this is basically it for today. I wanted to give you the guidelines for picking a name that would be protectable, picking a name that would be strong and you can make a brand around. To help you out with searches, I do have a free PDF guide that I put together where I talk about some do-it-yourself steps that you can take when conducting a trademark search if you're at the stage where you're not ready to hire an attorney to do your trademark search for you. 
this PDF is going to give you certain steps that you need to take. It's going to walk you through the process of trademark search in detail. So once you follow these guidelines, at the very least, you'll have a more thorough results list than if you were to do the search on your own without any guidance whatsoever. I'll put the list, I put the link to this trademark name guide in the show notes. So make sure go ahead and download that so you can do the search yourself if you are at the process where you're picking a name for a signature product, a brand, a new business, a service. I hope you liked today's episode. If you are walking away with new knowledge that you didn't have before and you think what you learned today will help you down the line, I would love it if you were to leave me a review for this episode or for the podcast in general on Apple Podcasts, and I'll leave a link in the show notes as well for that. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Until next time.